Welcome back. You are listening to the It's Never Too Late to Be Healthy podcast, and I'm your host, Kevin Brady. Through my own experiences as a lifelong athlete, community volunteer, author, and company founder, I'm on a mission to educate, inspire, and motivate individuals of all ages to improve all aspects of their health and live their best life to the fullest. I built my company, Advoca Health, based on this mission. Advocate Health assists companies and individuals navigate the very best health solutions both at home and in the world. On this podcast, I meet with industry-leading experts and partners with the aim to share simple strategies and tips to help you live a healthier, longer, and happier life. Sit back and enjoy the show. And welcome to today's podcast. I'm super excited to have on the show today our son, Matt Brady. Uh, we get into some very interesting discussion, first starting off with uh, uh, Matt's growing up and, and background and some of the unhealthy things we did as a family that uh, he, uh, he brought forward, which were, was fairly comical. We then get into his career uh, growing up and his career in ski cross and some of his accomplishments there. Uh, we talk about his passion for health and even some of the things he's doing today to, to lead him towards his goals. Uh, talk about moving over to his new sport, CrossFit, which he's trying to make the world CrossFit Games and what he does every day in order to, to satisfy that goal. Uh, recently, Matt has joined Advoca, our company, and uh, he talks about why and what the main reasons were behind joining Advoca and how it aligns with his own goals. And he finishes uh, with a great uh, uh, piece of advice around intention and how we need intention in everything we do every single day. So sit back and enjoy today's podcast. Hey, Matt Brady, great to have you on the podcast today. Uh, thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, you're, you're, you're actually made the cut. You're the very first Brady to actually be on the podcast. Well, uh, I'm sure Tim and Lauren will be pretty jealous. Yeah. So uh, happy to uh, happy to be the first one, especially as the middle child. <laughs> and there, uh, yeah, there's no jealousy in our family, though. You, you know that, right? It's, it's yeah. like the, the perfect family. We're actually going to talk a bit about that today as well. So um, Matt, as you likely know from uh, other podcasts we've done, uh, we treat these very organic, very conversational. So, you know, typically uh, we don't even know what we're going to talk about, which is the way I like to do it. <laughs> so I hope Perfect. you're okay with that format. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope our listeners are okay with that as well. I'm, uh, no, I'm excited to be here. No, I think it's important. I mean, uh, you know, you and I both listen to podcasts cause I know we, we share them amongst ourselves and other family members and stuff. And, uh, from my perspective, I think the best ones are the ones that are very, I'll say authentic and organic and not, not scripted. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, from my perspective, and more conversational. So that's, uh, that's what I always uh, attempt to do myself, because that's what I like when I listen to them. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, good. So Matt, you're joining us from Calgary. What's the, uh, what's the weather like in Calgary? Any snow yet? Or uh, no, no, yet? no snow yet. It's, uh, it's, it's been beautiful. We've had a really nice fall here. Um, it's been sunny, you know, within five to 15 degrees, pretty much every day. Uh, so we're, we're really lucky. No snow on the ground by October 27th is pretty phenomenal. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I see, you know, from the snow alerts that are on my phone, because we actually like snow, uh, contrary to a lot of people out there because we ski. Um, I'm getting a lot of snow alerts in the mountains anyhow. So it's good that you're kind of shielded from that in Calgary so far. Yeah, so far it's it's dumping in the mountains from what I can see and what I hear, which is great and uh, nice and warm in the city. So best yeah, of those yeah. worlds. Yeah, awesome. Good. So Matt, let's, uh, for our listeners, um, why don't I just wanted to uh, go back a few decades and just talk about your, you know, growing up and maybe you can just, uh, you know, give some highlights of your, I'll say your childhood and maybe your, you know, then led to your high school years. And because where I really want to take it is, you know, you've been ultra successful in many different areas. Um, and I, I really wanted you to be able to share and our listeners to, to learn kind of what what's the background on that? Like, you know, how did you get to where you are today type of thing? So would you mind just sharing kind of, uh, you know, uh, 
growing up? Any anything that comes to mind? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so a little bit of background was born here in Calgary. Uh, so I do have Calgary roots. Thanks to to you and Mum for moving here for a brief stint in time. So yeah, I grew up in uh, grew up or was born in Calgary. Grew up in Burlington. Moved to Burlington when uh, I was about three years old, and uh, really grew up in in um, uh, unique household, I would say, in, in the sense that we took health and fitness really seriously. Um, memories I have early on growing up were going for runs with you, uh, especially when we'd go on football trips and things like that. Uh, we would uh, always make sure to get our running in. Uh, you were always very supportive and encouraging for us to try a lot of sports. So I grew up playing uh, football, soccer, uh, cross country. Um, we also did a lot of skiing. So we'd go down to Ellicottville, pretty much every single weekend uh, in the winter down to Ellicottville to, to do skiing and then ski racing. And I don't think I realized how odd that was till I got a little bit older that every single weekend we would go to a ski chalet to go skiing. It was kind of just the norm growing up. But as I've gotten older, that was, I realized how lucky we were to have that. And, um, and to, to have the, to know how to ski when you're in your twenties, um, there's been a lot of friends that I have that just don't know how to do it. And they, they, they don't want to learn this late in age. So yeah, very active, active family uh, growing up. So I would say those are some of the uh, early memories. Although that being said, as active and as fit as we were, I also have memories of us uh, eating lots of junk food, which was great. <laughs> so, uh, particularly yeah. me. I, I remember Halloween. Um, I used to hide all my candy under my bed. Cause I would just, snack on it you guys you actually used to have to take it away from me because i i would go a little bit crazy with all that sugar uh and uh, yeah. <laughs> i remember coming back from skiing from ellicottville too we'd stop at the gas station load up on hot dogs and twinkies and pizzas and whatever we could eat and uh looking back on that it seems crazy because i don't think a lot of us would put that in our bodies today but uh but back then it seemed pretty normal so yeah, you know what? It's it's interesting because I have people all the time, and especially since I wrote uh, my, my latest book, but I have people all the time just figure that we've been like super, super healthy family, like our whole life. And uh, then I show them pictures of me weighing in at 230 or 240. And actually, I, I, I actually was fit, as you know, but I wasn't healthy. Right. And uh, I remember those days, um, you know, as you say, we'd stop on the way home from even a ski race or ski, skiing. And we'd all load up and generally we'd get literally a box of Twinkies and we would polish them off on the way home. And I, I'd say I'd probably have the majority of them. <laughs> and yeah. so it's uh, and and uh, I remember you and I, another uh, story I always tell is we when you and I would uh, you'd have football um, games on Sunday. And then strangely enough, you had Monday and Tuesday off. So we would actually go up north on for you and I together on Sunday and eight, and we'd be up there alone, but we would stop at Mickey D's on the way up, hit the drive through and we big size everything, right? We'd like big size fries, big fries, big size, big backs and shakes. And we'd just be in heaven chowing down. You know? <laughs> yeah, I felt like I earned it from uh, playing the game, but I don't know. Maybe you had a hard workout or something to earn that. But. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what I did to earn it. But uh, anyways, it's kind of comical because, as you say, and, and, you know, as I share with many people, um, you know, my when I look back, I always thought I could work my way out of any health issue. Right. And, and which it, I found which I unfortunately found was very untrue, you know, through a couple of different situations. But, you know, I was of the belief that as long as you worked out, then you could eat whatever you wanted, you could drink whatever you wanted. And, and we know how untrue that is. So, yeah. So thanks for sharing that. And thanks for letting everybody know how unhealthy I used to be. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, of um, course. Um, so I want to ask you, because at a quite a young age, Matt, I remember you being like super competitive. Like, a, you know, if I think back to soccer and football, I mean, you were super small. Like people when looking at you now, people would not know that. And we'll put some links in the show notes to some of your CrossFit that you're doing now. Um, and you're, not only are you big and, and massive, but you're strong and you're super low body fat and everything else. But when you look back, you were a, you were a small, I'll say, uh, very thin individual growing up in fact you know it was tough to even put weight on but you would work so hard like I remember at football you would work so hard like I'd say you would work harder than any other athlete out there just to make up for that and then you know we started going to the gym um SST which we you know as a family went to for years actually you and Tim introduced me to that gym 
Um, but you, even there, you would, you know, you would work out just relentlessly and just to get big and, and to get stronger. So I know this is a tough question, but like what motivated that? Like, how do you, how do you, how did, what, what was the motivation behind all that at such a young age? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's something I've actually thought about a lot. And um, I've, I've dealt with different kind of practitioners in my life that where I've talked about this uh, with them. And honestly, it, 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 it comes, it almost came from a place of fear, um, which isn't necessarily the healthiest motivator, as I've learned as I've gotten older. But I had a bigger brother, uh, you know, Tim, he grew up big. He was, he was a thick guy. I used to make fun of him for it a little bit when we were kids, but, uh, but you know, he was, he liked, he, his, he liked his Twinkies too. He liked, yeah. He liked his Twinkies. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, uh, he was a bigger guy. All his friends were bigger. A lot of my friends were bigger. Uh, you know, one of my best friends who went on to play football in the CFL, uh, he was born in January and I was September. So, you know, when you're a kid, those nine months make a difference. Um, and, uh, and so I, you know, some of my best friends were bigger and stronger. And so the first kind of chance I got to put on some size and, and, and work hard towards changing that I, I took advantage of. So, uh, and it didn't come easy. It didn't come quickly. I remember it was, I think even second year university was when, um, uh, people actually started to notice that I was actually putting on some size, but it took a long time. It wasn't like it happened in high school. I was a little bit of a late bloomer in that sense, but, uh, but yeah, something that's always kind of stuck with me. And even today, you know, I think it contributes to my, my hard work and motivation. And as I said, you know, fear is not always the best motivator. It's not the healthiest motivation, but um, even today, I'm still trying to get bigger and stronger and uh, as, as much as I can, even though, you know, a lot of those people um, that I used to use as motivation aren't even competitive in my sport. They're not even necessarily working out anymore or training or whatever. Um, it's just something that is ingrained in me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you look at, do you look at, um, fitness as, as a lifelong thing? In other words, do you, do you believe you will be physically fit your whole life? Like, in other words, I know now you're competing and we'll dive into that uh, deep in a couple minutes, but do you believe that like, that's just a way of life for you? Yeah. Yeah, I really do. I think because I've been doing it since I was a, a little kid, just even running, um, and then, you know, since I've been in the gym, since I was 12, it's, it's really just part of my daily routine at this point. Um, it's, I noticed during COVID that when there was no competitions going on that, you know, I really do love the process. I think COVID was a great test for people to see what they really like, uh, because if I didn't enjoy training, I would not have kept working out through COVID with no competitions. So that proved to, to me, to myself that I actually really do love fitness. I could see myself doing this every day for the rest of my life. Um, you know, there's some things I do in my training now that I'd probably change and some intensity levels I might not go to, uh, to live a long time, but I definitely would, uh, will, will continue to stay fit, uh, throughout the, the rest of my life. And I also notice it in work at it's a, it's a really good stressor um, to, to train as hard as I do, because I know that anything I do work-wise, relationship-wise, financial-wise, those are not the biggest stressors in my life. The biggest stressor in my life is going to happen at four o'clock today when I go to the gym. So Amazing. Wow. That's a good way to look at it. And I'd also say, I mean, we know that, that you know, the, 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 the correlation or the link between working out and fitness and just mental health and overall health. Um, and that's, and I'm sure you notice that on the days you don't work out, right. It's, you know, something's just a little off, you know, definitely. Yeah. After competitions, I usually take about three to four days out of the gym and I start to go a little bit crazy, start to annoy my, my girlfriend. And it's yeah. like, she, she's like pushing me out the door by that point. So yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad to say that. Cause when I'm injured or I, or I have to take a, uh, let's say two or three or even four days off, mom will just say, go for a run, like do something. Cause she notices like I'm crabby or something. You know? Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Now let's um, thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, great insight in, in, in terms of like your competitive spirit and everything else, but, I, I want to reflect back, um, you know, you were playing football, obviously, and, and that seemed to be kind of, I'll say your, your A sport at one time, right? Um, and then you, and then you went to uh, ski cross, right? You were a ski racer and downhill racer. 
Um, and I remember the day you begged mom and I to, uh, to go on a ski cross competition, which we weren't keen on because we'd already paid all your dues uh, and your, your, all your registration and everything for the year for ski racing. And we thought, why would you want to do ski cross? But would you mind just sharing kind of that story and then, and then how that progressed? Cause you know, if you look at when, when you look back at life, I'm sure that was a, that was a life-changing moment for you, right. In terms of where you went after that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's amazing as you kind of get older and you reflect on these little decisions you make when you're in high school or um, you're a teenager and how much they actually really do impact your life and, uh, you know, for, for good and for bad sometimes. But um, yeah, looking back on my ski cross career, so I grew up ski racing competitively. I think at the age of eight, I began uh, ski racing uh, in Ellicottville, just on, a, on, on the club team there and was always you know, pretty good, made it to state championships, but I wasn't going to the Olympics for skiing. You know, it, it's pretty apparent. I think when you're um, a teenager, it's kind of like swimming. You, you, you know, if you know, if you're going to make it to the Olympics by the time you're 12 or 13 kind of thing, they, they, they decide that for you really. Right. So I was always a good ski racer competitive, but uh, wasn't going to the Olympics. So uh, when I was 15, so this would have been grade 10, I, uh, saw the uh, uh, ski cross on at the Olympics at the Vancouver Olympics. And I saw how Canada had such a dominant team uh, that year. I think Ashley McIver had won uh, the, the gold medal for, for women's ski cross. And I thought it was a really interesting combination of putting freestyle skiing and ski racing together. And although I was, I love ski racing growing up, I would frequently spend time in the, in the train park as well. And just hitting jumps. I loved getting air hanging out with your friends. Um, so I'd always kind of head there after, after train, after uh, ski racing to go hang out in the train park. And so ski cross was really a, a great combination of that. And I had a good ski racing background. So I saw uh, the local club, not Holy Mont, but Holiday Valley, which is the other ski hill in, in Ellicottville. I uh, was putting on a, a ski cross race. And so, as you mentioned, I, begged you and mom to let me go in it. You guys thought it was a little crazy at the time. And uh, I actually ended up winning that race because it was mainly freestyle skiers that were doing that race. So, and I had a racing background. And at that time, a lot of freestyle skiers were doing ski cross. It wasn't ski people with a ski racing background. So I, yeah, so I signed up for that race and because I won, it qualified me for the national championships down yeah. at Cop Copper Mountain in Colorado, which we, we, we all went to. Yeah. yeah. And I remember, well, I remember that race in, in, at holiday Valley and uh, you won the first one and everybody's kind of all the other races going, who is this guy? Cause they're on a circuit, like a ski racing circuit all season. <laughs> and they're kind of going, okay, who is this guy? And then you won another race. And then, and then one of the parents said to me, do you know if Matt wins one race, like the next day, that's three podiums that qualifies them for the nationals and we kind of went really like where are the nationals oh they're in Colorado <laughs> so that was kind of the just so next thing you know we're going to the nationals with it yeah yeah exactly yeah I remember back then on that circuit if you won two races in a season you automatically qualified for the national championships which was uh yeah very cool uh very cool experience and basically once I did that I decided I, I wanted to go full-time with with ski cross and uh and so I went to the nationals and I think I came sixth in my age group for 15 to 16 year olds, uh, which I was pretty happy. It's top 10. Yeah. <laughs> Hadn't gotten many top 10 ski racing. So this was pretty cool. I came, got a top 10 at the, you know, all the best ski cross the racers in, nationals. in, in yeah. the States. Right. So, uh, so that was cool. And then I think it was the following year. Um, we figured out a game plan to, to put me down at a ski Academy in, in Lake Placid. Uh, which I'm super thankful for, for you and mom for uh, supporting me on that. Cause I know it wasn't uh, it wasn't a cheap venture, but necessary and, and really launched me into my ski cross career. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was tough for us because all of a sudden our, our high school son is leaving home, right. Spending a winter, not with us, like away from us. Right. So uh, which was as a parent, that was a tough one for sure. Cause you can on your kids leaving kind of at university age, but not when they're 14 or 15, you know? So, and then you, uh, so then you went from the ski Academy and, uh, and you were recruited by a coach who became your coach, uh, for a few years, correct? That yep. was in the next stage. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. So I spent, uh, two years down in Lake Placid ski racing, doing the American circuit. And, uh, I went to a training camp with the Alberta ski cross team in the summer, uh, between 
grade 11 and grade 12. And I, I went to Mount Hood uh, in Oregon and skied with the Alberta team because they were putting on a camp there. And uh, that was a wake up call for me because they, it just, it, it showed how much of a team they really were. They had about 10 or 12 athletes um, really dedicated to, to ski cross uh, really good coach that was formerly on the, the national team uh, for Canada for ski cross, went to multiple X Games, Olympics. Uh, so a really, really dedicated coach and, and they had the funding to, to really support a ski cross team. So after I did the training camp with them at Mount Hood, I joined them for a few races when I was in grade 12 up on the Canadian circuit. I think you actually joined me on those. We went to Big White and Lake Louise and uh, Red Mountain. That's which right. Was a fun, fun I remember that. Circuit. That was a, that was a road trip. Yeah, I think it was like a week and a half or two weeks. We kind of went from race to race. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, and uh, and after that, I think we we went and toured the University of Calgary, which you showed me the gym and the oval. <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, let's uh, let's do this for university. It looks <laughs> it looks great." So, uh, so I was really sold on the whole Calgary experience and Alberta Ski Cross team joining them. And uh, we obviously have some roots here with some family friends and stuff like that to to look after me. So it felt comfortable, even though it was across the country. It didn't feel like I was going to somewhere where I didn't know anyone. And yeah, it almost felt home. I think, you know, when, you know, we joke about touring the university, but I think it wasn't just the university. It was the city and it's close to the mountains and you were born there and there was just a lot of, you felt comfortable there. Right. Yeah. And well, we used to come back here to ski every winter to go to Panorama as a family. So even though I was only living here until I was three, uh, every single winter we'd come to Calgary, we'd fly in and fly out of Calgary and stay here with some family friends. Um, Till I was probably 12 or 13. And, and so it, it felt comfortable. Yeah. 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 Good. So, so keep going on your uh, ski cross career and then, and then we're going to jump to your, your new sports career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so really then I, when I joined the Alberta ski cross team, you know, I thought I was a good racer because I'd gotten some good results in years past. And uh, when I joined this Alberta ski cross team, I, realized, wow, I, there's a, there's some better, there's some better athletes on this team than me. Like I'm, I'm not that good, uh, which was, it was good. It was, it was humbling. Uh, but I really worked hard and, uh, it was tough because I was going to school full time. Um, you know, I was trying to get a business degree and as well as I was trying to ski, um, you know, at least three to four days a week. And then on top of that, probably doing some night skiing here at Calgary Olympic park. Uh, I remember I, you know, I missed one of my calculus exams in first year because I, I, I got to go forerun the World Cup race um, in at, at Nikiska. So it was just a tough balance, but I really wanted to work hard to, to, you know, be the best ski ski racer I could be, to be the best on the team. And I'm not sure. I think it might have been my second. Yeah, my it was my second year on the Alberta team that I won my first North American Cup race, and that's when I was really um, quite surprised with myself and, and all the hard work that I had put in had paid off because that first year was really a struggle. I wasn't getting great results, but I kept working really hard on, um, on my traditional ski racing, actually, you know, GS and, and slalom to try and get those skills to transfer to ski cross because I was really comfortable skiing with other people around me, but I wasn't comfortable with necessarily um, putting the skis on edge to arc a really tight turn when there's three people around you kind of thing. So, so I was really working hard at that. And, and, and so in my second year on the Alberta ski cross team, I won that North American cup race. And then I think that's what qualified me for the world champion world junior world championships. So for those that don't know, uh, if you're under the age of 19, you can qualify for the world championships for freestyle skiing. Usually they take two, uh, two, I think it's two men and two women. Um, maybe three men and three women to those races. And they're usually overseas. So that was kind of my first exposure to going and skiing in Europe, which was uh, amazing, really cool to be doing when you're 19, get to go and, and see um, Italy and France and Switzerland. And uh, it, that's when I realized, wow, I can actually, you know, I can really make a run at this. I could probably make the national team probably uh, get into some world cup races down the line uh, if I'm skiing at this level. So so that was a cool experience. And I think it was the following summer, it was 2014, I uh, made it onto the develop the national development team for, for um, ski cross. So I was on the national team, officially a carded athlete. 
And, and, and uh, sorry, how what year was that, or what year university, or how old were you then? Yeah, so it was twenty. It was twenty twenty four. The summer of twenty fourteen, I got named to the team. So that right. would have been yeah. going into my third yeah. year of university. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And then, uh, so then, and and so, what happened then? Just uh, we'll keep going because I want to get to your. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So when you make the national team, um, they, they basically put you into Europa cup races and world cup races, which is really exciting. So just to give the, the listeners who don't understand, uh, for ski cross, it's different for traditional Alpine skiing, but for ski cross in particular, uh, the North American cup is kind of the lower level, uh, then there's the Euro Europa cup and then the world cup. And that, so you can think of those as stages. So I kind of, you know, I'd won a North, North American cup race. I think I was third on the, the tour that year. So they were, I was ready for Europa cup races. Uh, and the reason Europa cup races are more competitive is just because it's in Europe, you get way more people out at a higher level. You get a lot of world cup guys that are kind of in between world cup and Europa cup kind of going back and forth. It's almost like a farm system for the world cup. So, uh, so I was pretty committed to the Europa cup that year and getting, um, some good exposure to racing with Europeans who ski a little bit differently, generally a little more aggressive. Um, the courses are built a lot better and bigger than than North American cup races. So, so I spent that first year primarily on the Europa cup and trying to get points, uh, to, to be able to get a world cup start. So, so that's, that was, that was my first year on the national team, which would have been 2015 to 2014, 2015 season. And then, um, 2015 summer, I, I spent in Whistler, uh, training pretty hard. So I was, I lived in, in Whistler for a summer, uh, skiing on the glacier training really hard in the gym there. And, uh, I was, I was ready. I wanted to make a push for the world's cup. And so then the following year, spent the the majority of it living actually in Europe, uh, primarily Germany, uh, France, Switzerland, and Italy, just touring around skiing there. And I got my first European uh, World Cup start, which was uh, which was great. It was a really good experience. Um, I did well in a few races over there, and uh, yeah, just just uh, tremendous experience competing with some of those uh, World Cup and Olympic. Uh, ski racers so yeah amazing amazing and once again i mean what i keep the 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 underlying theme that i keep hearing like even from when you were so young was just hard work hard work hard work right and dedication you know to to, to get you to where you need to be mm -hmm. yeah you know and we'll get into kind of crossfit in a little bit but the one thing i really liked about ski racing is you can really see those milestones with your achievement. So the, the hard work you put in tends to pay off and you can kind of get these checkpoints along the way. It's like, okay, made the Alberta team, made the junior national team, made the Europa cup team, made the world cup team. Whereas what I find in CrossFit, which is a lot, it's a lot harder. There's a lot more people doing it. Um, you just don't get those checkpoints the same way. So you don't get those little successes you know, every few months, every few years that, that kind of bump you up, they, they come, they come uh, further in between, which is, it's difficult. It's, it's tough mentally to, to deal with that, but just well, especially during, especially during a COVID year, right? Like, yeah. Because there's no, there's no, uh, there's, there's no check or there's no checkpoints, so to speak, right? There's not yeah. like, how am I doing to, or very few, you know? So, yeah. So Matt, um, you know, thanks for sharing that amazing success you had in uh, in, in in ski cross. And can you just share uh, what was the turning point between you going from ski cross to CrossFit? Because literally, you stopped mm -hmm. one and you started one like right away, right? Yeah, for sure. So stopped. Uh, yeah, I, I decided after the 2016 season to hang it up uh, with ski cross. Um, some reasons that I don't necessarily want to get into, um, on a, on a live forum, but it was just the right time for me to, to, to move on and, and look towards a, a business career, uh, and, and finishing up my, my business degree and, and, uh, moving on with life, I should say. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, you know, and I, I think back to my ski, ski racing days. And one of the things that stood out to me was how much I really liked the gym. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I love skiing, but 
there was days and there was times when, you know, you're skiing every day, you're skiing 150 days to 200 days a year where you, you kind of get, you get a little tired of it. You know, you're carrying all your equipment all the time. You carry your skis and, you know, if you're not skiing well, that, that even magnifies it a little more, but cold. I, it's cold. <laughs> it's cold. Yeah. The cold doesn't bother me, but it would bother Tim. But uh, yeah, I remember we were in France and uh, you know, it, we, we just finished up a race but sometimes they do the races really early. Like sometimes you're done racing by 11 AM uh, because they have to kind of work around weather and things like that. And so we just finished up a race and I told my coach, I was like, Hey, I think I'm going to go get a little workout in. I still have some energy. And he goes, no, no, go skiing for the rest of the day. And I said, no, we just finished a race. I don't, I don't want to go skiing. Uh, he goes, well, everyone else is going skiing. And I said, yeah, I think I'm just going to I think I'm just going to go to the gym and, you know, we, that coach in particular, we used to butt heads a little bit on that. Cause I would just love the gym. I would love it. And that wasn't something I had to get better at. Cause I was already miles ahead of everyone else on the team in the gym. I had to actually get better at just skiing and I just had to ski more, but I just love the gym so much. That's what I wanted to do. And looking back after my ski career, that was a real turning point for me saying, wow, like, you know, I, I, I think I liked the gym more than I liked ski racing. And so when I'd quit, uh, ski racing, I decided let's, let's give CrossFit a try. I remember actually watching the CrossFit games, um, you know, a few different summers and, uh, watching one athlete in particular, her name was Alex Parker. And she, she's, um, she, she used to be a ski racer turned CrossFit and she made the CrossFit games. And, uh, so anyways, I did a little bit of research in, in, in Calgary. I was kind of just doing my own thing in the gym for about a month. And I did some research. I'm like, okay, I, I want to find a CrossFit gym, but I know CrossFitters at the CrossFit games, they don't train the way CrossFitters do in classes because I, I know it's CrossFit at the CrossFit games. is like a sport. You got to work on your weaknesses. You got to have, you know, your squat day, your gymnastics skill day. Like you got to organize it based on you. It, got, it has to be tailored to you. You can't just go into a class and expect to make the CrossFit games. So I did a lot of research, tried out a few different, places, talked to a few different coaches. And I ended up going to this gym called Optimum Performance Training that's located in the Northwest of Calgary. And I walk into the gym and this Alex Parker girl's there. And I was like, what are the odds? Like, I had no idea that that's the gym she trained at, but I'm like, wow, this girl went to the game. She used to be a ski racer. She went to the games and I'm going to follow the same path. You know, And you just, and you just walked in the gym. Cool. I just walked in the, yeah, I got a referral from another coach that I had talked to but I had no idea that's where this girl had trained that used to be on the BC Alpine or uh, Canadian ski team that then went to the CrossFit games. I had no idea. So it was a pretty surprising moment for me. And I was like, wow, this is perfect. This is, and also it was huge because I, we'd all, we've always done individual design uh, yourself included. Uh, but for football skiing, I'd always had a coach that gave me a program based on my weaknesses and what I had to work on. And I followed the program, sent them the results and then got a new program. Like I've always like, done that. Like literally your whole life. Literally. Like my, whole yeah. Life. yeah. Yeah. And I'm still doing that today. And I think that is the absolute best way you can train. If you want to get better at something, group classes are great. If you just want to go hang out with your friends, but it is not personalized towards you. And so when I found out this gym did that for the sport of CrossFit, I was all over it. I was fully bought in still am today. I've been with the same coach for five and a half years now. And, um, we haven't made the games yet, but, uh, every year we're getting a little closer. So it's a, it's a, it's a grind, but, uh, I love it. So, well, yeah, yeah. As you say, you love the work that you put in, you love going to the gym, you love working out, um, and you're, and you've been successful. I mean, we went over to see you in London, England for, you know, for, for your, the national team. You're at that time, you're representing the national team. You just had some, uh, maybe you can just talk about some recent success. Cause I, yeah. You know, again, during COVID, it was tough to compete, but you just had some recent uh, success, I'm going to say about a month ago, actually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and just for the listeners to kind of bridge what you're talking about. So there's um, there's two organizations, I should say, world organizations. So there's CrossFit, which obviously puts on the CrossFit Games. And that's, uh, that's if you want to compare it to triathlon, that's similar to Ironman. So it's a company, it's a brand. Um, it's not a, a world sport organization. It's a private, yeah, it's a private brand. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then there's also a, a federation called the International Functional Fitness Federation, which 
uh, is similar to ITU in triathlon. So that's actually a world sport organization with the goal of getting the sport into the Olympics. Yeah. So that competition in London was the world, uh, world IF3 championships. So every country kind of puts in a team or individual athletes to go and compete. And uh, yeah, that was a great, really great experience, uh, especially in London. So it was cool to go back to Europe on that trip and compete um, overseas for a different sport. That was really cool for me um, because I had previously been there a couple of years earlier competing for skiing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a really cool experience. But yeah, recently uh, we had a local competition here in Calgary called Outside the Box, uh, which focuses on not just traditional CrossFit. They do a lot of other um, athlete tests as well. Like our first event was a five kilometer trail run. We had a swimming event, uh, gymnastics events, lifting events. So a little bit more, you know, that's why it's called outside the box. It's outside of the gym stuff mixed in with some traditional CrossFit. And, uh, yeah, I was happy to, to walk away with the, the gold on that one. It, I'd done that competition four years in a row and I'd always gotten second. So I was, uh, I was due for, for, for taking the title and, uh, yeah, it was exciting to, to finally win that competition. Uh, even though it's just a local competition, it's still uh, kind of boosts your confidence going into the, the competitive season this year. So yeah, for sure. And Matt, what, what are your goals with cross with CrossFit? Like, I mean, you, you you still go to the gym. I know every day you continue to work hard and you're, you've obviously, what, what would be your, your goal or a couple of goals or your ultimate goal even? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my ultimate goal is to get to the CrossFit Games. Um, wow. It's it's it gets tougher and tougher every year, and I'm getting older and older every year. So it's uh it it's challenging for sure. Um, but you know, I I keep continuously getting better. It seems like with my training, I'm always hitting new PRs, um, personal records, uh, and 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 hitting these milestones. So uh, you know, it's, I'm not going to be an overnight success story where this 22 year old makes it to the CrossFit games, but it's going to be, it's going to be the long grind where I kind of sneak in there when I'm maybe, you know, 30 or 31, but, uh, that is my goal to, to get there. Um, this year upcoming, I'm trying out some, some team competitions. So there's a big fitness festival, the second biggest fitness festival in the world, uh, or it actually might even be the biggest it's called Wadapalooza down in Miami. And so me and uh, two guys from OPT have put in a team, a team of three to go compete down there, uh, which I'm really excited for. I haven't done a lot of team competitions. I've also always wanted to go to Wadapalooza. Uh, really good athletes go there. And so I'm excited to try my hand at that. And then, uh, yeah, the, the quarter, uh, the open starts in February, the quarterfinals, the semifinals. Uh, there's still a lot of question marks on how they're going to structure everything this year. Uh, it seems like with COVID, it's kind of a moving target. Last year, it seemed pretty limited on the athletes that would qualify for certain stages. So hoping this year um, they open that up a little bit to, to be able to let us get some more um, opportunity to, to get live competition and, and get to the games. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, th that's kind of what I'm looking forward to this year. Awesome. Yeah. So, and if, by the way, if you need a, if you need a coach to another coach to help you down in Miami, I'd be pleased to join you down there, especially as winter approaching. <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a sudden my family wants to come to the, the CrossFit uh, competition when it's in yeah. Miami. It's yeah, they're uh, all surprising. All, they're all coaches. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Matt, what I, what I just, something you just said that struck me was um, that you're getting better every, you keep hitting new milestones. And I see, you know, on the videos you share and everything, you're hitting higher weights and everything else. So what's contributing to that? I mean, as you say, you're getting older, right? How, how can you keep getting better? Like, what are you doing to, to get better, you know, each and every day or every week or continually? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I think, um, having intention every day you go into the gym. So I don't just kind of go in there and go through my program. Like I go in there and I'm, I'm, I'm dialed in. I'm focused on what I'm doing. I strategize each workout. I video my whole workout and then I watch video the next day about that workout. Um, and, and just having that intention I think is so important because it would be easy for me to just go in there, go through the motions, but I don't think I would actually get better. So no, you, no, you, you would be, you'd be this, you'd stay the same or maybe yeah. even get worse. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's Instagram's a highlight reel. There's, there's stuff I get worse at too. Um, you know, I did a workout last week, 
uh, it's a, a tester workout. So in CrossFit, we have some testing workouts that uh, you, you've done in the past that you'll do maybe once every year, once every six months to, to, to show that you're getting better. And I did one last week that where I had actually gotten worse. And that's a scary, that's a scary time when that happens. Uh, Cause you're like, what's going on. Uh, but it's, it's kind of, you know, this balancing act where if you spend too much time working on your, your rowing and your running and your swimming and your squatting, then maybe your gymnastics are going to get a little worse. It's you're kind of always doing this balancing act, but the idea is you, hopefully it's an upward trend with, yeah, um, with, with everything. Yeah. 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 And I'd also just want to add to that too, is that uh, I think with CrossFit and this applies to a lot of things in life, doing something consistent for a long period of time. And I'm not talking like a couple of weeks, like you got to look at stuff and be like, can I do this consistently for five years? Uh, that, that will get you better. And, you know, it's funny, I've had a, quite a few CrossFit friends that are in their ninth or 10th year, eighth, ninth or 10th year of training for CrossFit. And now they're finally qualifying for the games. And it's like, wow, that's how long it's going to take. Like it might take eight, nine or 10 years before I make it. Wow. But, but that's, and if that's what it takes, that I'm happy with that. But you know, when you set out to that goal, you need, you need to be realistic. You can't say, okay, this is going to happen in six months. And I think that goes for, yeah, I think that goes for people trying to lose weight. You know, you could lose weight unhealthily in three months, but weeks. Yeah. But, but, but don't get mad at your fitness coach because you're not seeing results after three months. Like it's supposed to take a long time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you've heard me talk about a concept I believe in is, and, and, and it's called better or worse, right? Which is, you know, anything you're doing, is it making you better or is it Mm -hmm. making you worse? So if you apply that to your training, you know, as you, if I, if I relate to what you just said is if you're putting all this effort into certain functions that you need to do let's say running or swimming or cardio well that's making you better there but it may be making you worse Mm -hmm. right in the in some other other areas that you need to focus on right so you need to to balance on those things and and also say i think you know there's no such thing as status quo you know like if you just say if you go into your workout and say well i'm just going to stay the same you're not staying the same you're actually getting worse Mm -hmm. right because you're not putting in the work to get better right like it's work to get better yeah yeah and i think in life this could be in life or in training when you're most uncomfortable that's where you grow so you know like i think of doing you know 15 sets of intervals on the rower the first 10 i can get through but the last five are going to be really uncomfortable and those last five are the most important so when it gets uncomfortable, you need to learn actually to, to push harder. And I think there's stuff in life where, you know, whether it's an uncomfortable conversation or uh, an uncomfortable situation, I think that's when you grow uh, the most. So it's, um, it's not just uh, in fitness. Yeah, you know what? There's so much in the, I'll say the health industry, and I'll just say right now in life in, I'll say quick, quick supposedly quick fixes, hacks, people call them hacks. You know, hack your way to lose weight, hack your way to better health, hack your way to brain health, hack your way to a better sleep. Yeah. You know what? I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's there's there, it's not there's no easy, quick fix. Right. Yeah. Everybody, I think most people are looking for the magic pill or the magic bullet. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. no. And it's it, it actually it, it drives me nuts. It's, it's kind of a pet peeve. But our our generation has gotten so lazy with stuff because everything's at our fingertips. Like even getting your groceries, you don't have to go to the grocery store anymore. Like you should go to the grocery store. You should go walk around for 45 minutes and smell your food and pick it out with your eyes. Like, you know, like it's, uh, I don't know. It's just so everything has become really easy for us. I think, I think it's, um, it's too easy. There's some, there's stuff in life that's too easy and you can't cheat it. You can't cheat it because it won't work. It's not sustainable. It's not, it's not long-term uh, results to, to, to try and cheat fitness or sleep or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, again, I, I go back to better or worse, you know, are you, when you walk the grocery store, is that making it better? Well, yeah, probably a little, cause you're moving and you're walking around. If you order them and they're dropping off of the door, it's probably making you worse. Right. Cause you're really just walking to the front door. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. No, I, I think we're on the same, uh, same page. What's interesting about this podcast is you and I are talking about stuff we never talk about, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, finally, we got an hour to kind of go deep on some, some of these topics that I think we both, uh, we both believe in. 
Yeah, for sure. So, um, Matt, and for our listeners, um, recently you've joined our company, Advoca Health. And I, again, I was so elated when you reached out to, to ask if we'd ever consider bringing you on. Um, and it's our win for sure as, a, as an organization to, to have you on board. Uh, so, so again, huge warm welcome and, and you're getting results and, and doing a great job. But uh, I was going to ask you what appealed to you about our company? Like why, you know, you were in the health industry already. Mm-hmm. What, what, why, what was it that said, you know what, I want to go work there for, for what that company is about? Yeah. The reason Advoca attracted me is because it's forward thinking with healthcare. So it's not, um, it's not a reactive service. It's, it is reactive, but there's preventative options to it as well. Uh, you know, things like the comprehensive medical assessment, second opinion services, at-home blood and urine testing. They're, they're, these are things that you can do before something goes wrong. And, you know, I made an Instagram post, I don't know, a couple of years ago, uh, and it was this little graph. And for whatever reason, it got like 4,000 views or whatever. It just blew up. But it was this graph of basically on the x-axis was age or time. Uh, and then, you know, basically the, the level of health severity. And what happens is people wait for something to go seriously wrong in their lives before they do something that uh, about their health or for their family, right? Someone has a stroke or a heart attack or, you know, diabetes, and then they decide to make a change. And what I want to push people to do is to take care of their health long before that happens. And with Advoca, I think that is our goal and our mission uh, with some of our plans that we've organized is to get people to think about their health care differently and take a proactive approach uh, instead of waiting for that crisis to happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's really what it's all about. I mean, I had a call this morning and somebody said, well, what's your program about? And I said, it's about helping people to be healthier every day. Like at the end of the day, that's it. I mean, and you're right. We do help people when there's health crisis, because no matter what you can do, it's like you can service your car, you know, and do your regular routine, your regular maintenance. Well, guess what? You still might get a fat flat or you might get your alternator might go or whatever, right? Those things are still going to happen. So it is, you know, it is reactionary, but the more we can get people, you know, doing, doing the right things to proact on their health so that they don't have those major events, you know, that would be the ultimate goal of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, uh, we both have shared this idea of health span versus lifespan, right? And uh, I'm sure you've talked about it before on the podcast, but for those who don't know, health span is the amount of years in your life, you're healthy and lifespans, the amount of time uh, you obviously live. And what's happened uh, is that health spans have gotten shorter, uh, even though lifespans have gotten longer. And so I think Advoca's mission, uh, you know, and with some of our plans and at least long term, we share this value is to create longer health spans for people so that they can go skiing with their grandkids when they're in their 80s, you know, stuff like that. So there's no reason you can't. Right. There's no reason you can't. And as you say, there's no quick fix and you and you have to work at it right? You have to work at it because you think from an aging standpoint, every single day, like my cells in my body, your cells in your body, think of them are a, are a day older than they were yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like from the time you're born, your cells are aging. Think of that. From the day you're born, they're aging, right? Yeah. So it's what can you do to slow that aging down or just, you know, in some cases, I, I won't say stop it because you're never going to stop it. But what can you do to regenerate new health, new healthier cells and better cells and you know, all that type of thing. So you slow the aging process down, right? That's, and and prevent disease. That's really the, would be the goal, right? Mm -hmm. Which is one of the reasons I I wrote the book that I, that I wrote. So I know we're bumping up against uh, time here, Matt, but I'd love to have another podcast with you because I'd like to dive into more just what you're doing personally along those lines. Like, you know, um, in terms of the wheels of health, what are some things Mm -hmm. you're doing? What's some of the advanced testing that you've taken advantage of? Um, you know, through advocate services and other services that, that you would recommend. So I'd like to uh, continue on uh, in our discussion and I'll say we'll do, we'll do a part two, uh, maybe, you know, within a next month or two in terms of uh, diving deep into what you're doing along in, in those areas, because I think our listeners would be super, super interested. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I think we share similar um, uh, people we follow, I should say, or leaders that we follow, you know, such as Peter Atia, Ben Greenfield, um, some people along those lines that have really influenced me. I, you know, it's funny, you and I, we both don't have a health or science background, although we're so passionate about it. It's not like we went to school for for medicine or, or health or anything like that. But, um, you know, so we learn a lot from these these great leaders. And I think just applying them to our lives to make us uh, better, hopefully live longer, uh, more engaged in what we're doing every day, more productive um, goes a long way. So I'd be happy to chat about that. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things you mentioned, I mean, our, it's funny you say that because none of us do have health backgrounds, but we probably should in terms of science or biology, but we, we do share. I mean, whenever any of us have a good, listen to a good podcast or good YouTube, probably a day doesn't go by that our family doesn't share between, you know, mom and Warren and Tim and yourself and myself just, you know, oh, you should listen to this. Oh, this is a great one. Right. Which is, which is great learning. And, and I love that. So, so Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, great advice for our listeners. And as I said, I'd like to kind of do a part two and dive deep into what you're doing kind of day to day to, to help our listeners. But I'm going to put you on the spot here. If there's just to finish off our podcast, if there's one piece of advice, one takeaway based on everything we've talked about today that you would say to your list, to the listeners, you know, here's one piece of advice that Matt Brady, I, Matt Brady would suggest that, that you should do. What, what would, a, what would that be? Train with intention, put your phone away for an hour. It'll be the best thing you did in your whole day and uh, dedicate that full hour to, to being present and giving your best. Awesome. Love it. Love it. With that, uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining us uh, and taking uh, time out of your day and listeners. We will put a lot of the stuff we talked about today in our show notes. Uh, thanks again for, uh, for tuning in and listening uh, to, uh, Matt Brady. And, uh, as I say, first family member, but we're going to have others on at some point as well. So Matt, thanks again and, uh, have a super rest of the day out in Calgary. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Okay, pal. See ya. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. For all of our listeners, I invite you to visit advocahealth.com where you can easily become an advocate member to take advantage of some of the amazing services we offer. You can also access our latest blogs and listen to some of the best medical advice available on our podcast. Don't forget to grab a copy of my latest book, It's Never Too Late to Be Healthy, that is available to order through our website. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.